I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Free Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. We're taping this on Tuesday ahead of the Billboard Music Awards, which by the time this posts, what a great Billboard Music Awards they were. Right, Trevor? Uh, uh, best one in years, yeah, uh, without a doubt. Uh, so uh, yeah, if you're, uh, well, obviously you're listening to this after uh, the VBMAs. So uh, I think we feel pretty safe saying amazing uh, show. So maybe next week uh, we'll recap it. But uh, Taylor, yeah. that opening, Mariah, that icon award. Right. Madonna. Madonna, yeah. yeah. Everybody, there was not one one bad moment. Of yeah, course. Could have used a little more hip hop, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to talk uh, charts as always. Uh, not the most movement atop the Hot 100, but uh, one uh, pretty interesting debut the very bottom of the Hot 100. So we'll talk about that. Uh, really excited live music, well, live recorded music uh, coming up this week. The Rua, sibling trio out of the UK, Alana, Rosanna, and Jonathan Brown, uh, currently yeah, scaling the adult pop songs chart with their latest single, Gasoline. I've been a big fan of them uh, for over three years now. Uh, really excited to uh, have them come in, perform right here in the studio, an acoustic uh somewhere between a full version and acoustic versions of three of their songs. And just to chat with them, a really cool thing too, all three of them starred in various Harry Potter movies. So I've never talked to anyone who's been in a Harry Potter movie, big fan. Uh, so that'll be fun. All right. Uh, that's all coming up. The Rua, our special guests performing live on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Right now, this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Four, three, two, one. Number 10. I just poured something in my cup. Number nine. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. Duh. Number eight. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about where we're coming before we get lost. Let me have fun. I've never felt like this. Number seven. Look 
baby, baby, I'm dancing with a stranger. Look what you made me do. I miss somebody new. Oh, baby, baby, I'm dancing with a stranger. Number six. So you can take advantage of me. Tell me how's it feel sitting up there. Feeling so high, but too far away to hold me. You know I'm the one who put you up Number five. I'm a sucker for you. Number four. Don't know it by now. You better get to loving it. It is Old Town Road, Lil Nas X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus, number one again on the Billboard Hot 100 for a fourth week. Uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, we've seen by now. Of course, the narrative has really played out as well as Lil Nas X could have hoped. Uh, we saw a few weeks ago when it broke the all-time one-week streaming record that Drake's "In My Feelings" had set back in 2018. Drake was at 116 million. Lil Nas X blew past that, got to just under 143 million. Last week, it was still ahead of Drake's record with a little over 125 million. This week, it falls back behind in my feelings. This week, we're talking 114 million streams. So just under there, but still three of the four biggest streaming weeks ever. And even though it's starting to fall back down to earth, it's got a long way to go before it crash lands. Uh, 114 million for Old Town Road. To put that in perspective, the second highest streaming song of the week this week is Sunflower by Post Malone and Sway Lee. That's got 33 million streams. So Lil Nas X ahead of the curve by about 80 million streams. So he's got a long, long, long way to go before somebody's going to catch up to him. Well, uh, that catching up could happen next week with the song uh, not right now at the top of the streaming songs chart. It's not even on streaming songs. Uh, if you look at the entire Billboard Hot 100 this week, you go all the way down to number 100. Song debuts. Promise that you'll never find another like me.
Taylor Swift, featuring Brendan Urie of Panic the Disco. Me debuts at number 100, uh, record-setting first 24 hours for a female artist on YouTube. How is it debuting at number 100 on the Hot 100? Uh, so this is maybe a little, you can call it a quirk maybe, I don't know, um, about the Hot 100. So um, obviously most of the attention gets put on streaming and, and some on sales. Those two metrics run a Friday to Thursday tracking week. That's helps when new songs come out on Friday, so they get their first seven weeks of sales and streams all nicely together on the Hot 100. Radio works a little differently. Radio goes from a Monday to Sunday cycle, so when a song drops on Friday, if it gets enough airplay, if it's that big an event, a, a Taylor record, an Adele record, or something like that, that airplay that comes in on that Friday when it comes out, that Saturday and that Sunday actually go into the charts as well. And uh, we've seen this before with Taylor where anticipation is just so high for her song that uh, it actually debuts on the chart just from airplay alone without even needing any sales or streams. Look What You Made Me Do did the same thing uh, back in 2017. It debuted at 77, then jumped to number one. So enough airplay for me to get it on at number 100. And really all eyes are on if it can go straight from the bottom all the way to the top. Uh, which would be a first. Nothing has ever gone from number 100 to number one uh, in the Hot 100's entire history. Uh, 100 to 15 is the biggest jump from number 100 uh, to the highest position. That was uh, Jai Ho. Remember that song? Yeah, from Slumdog Millionaire. Actually, uh, I think it won the Oscar too for Best yeah. Original Song. So yeah, that would be a first. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Again, we said we're uh, taping this on Tuesday. We're still looking at preliminary uh, numbers, but it looks like at the very least, uh, top five seems a certainty, maybe number two, maybe number one, uh, from what we can tell so far. There's so. a big gap between two and one, so it does feel like right. you've got a, a, a lot of territory to cross there. Yeah, we know uh, at the moment, uh, it looks uh, Taylor Swift looks to have a huge sales lead over Old Town Road, but it it's going to uh, airplay. It's probably going to be somewhere pretty, pretty close to each other. Uh, it seems like streaming will really make the difference of how big uh, me can be in its first full week. And if I think it really comes down to is how far uh, Old Town Road will fall in the streams. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not that this is the end all be all, but I will say on Tuesday, which is today we're taping it, Taylor's fallen to number two on Spotify already. So the Old Town Road remix is taken back number one. I'm not quite sure where it lines up on the other streaming services, but I guess to me, it's a little, a little telling, you know, that it'll be probably a closer race than I think certainly Taylor's record company would like. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting. I think the narrative here is like, if you're into narratives, I feel like it's one of the big, like, showdowns just in a lot of ways, more than just two big songs. But, I mean, Lil Nas X, really, this guy who just made this song out of nowhere. It's just a minute 47. It just, I mean, obviously, it's defied convention in terms of genre and style. Just this track that, you know, started popping through on SoundCloud and memes and just sort of thrust him all the way up to the top of the chart versus Taylor, who ironically is not on big machine records, but is sort of, you know, just a big machine artist. She's got uh, the label marketing behind her. She's got, I mean, all the hits, the records, the Grammys, the awards, the, you know, everything you could ask for. And it's like this, I think I said last week, sort of this David and Goliath battle for number one, where it's, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in a way, who comes out on top just for those dynamics. So, yeah, we'll have all the info on that big race. It actually kind of reminds me of in 2017 when Taylor Swift came out. You know, Despacito was the big song of the summer. Right. It had gotten 16 weeks at number one. Uh, 
certainly the Mariah Carey fans, if no one else, were wondering, like, what can come out? And I think we'd all kind of internally for a while been mentioning the only record, you know, the only thing that could probably stop it is, like, if a Taylor record comes out, it actually did and knocked that out of number one. But if Taylor can't beat Old Town Road, then, you know, it's one of those questions where it's like, what you know? What can stop Old Town Road if Taylor Swift can't? I mean, the only other person probably is Adele. I could think of off the top of my head: a Drake, Beyonce, Adele, Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars, Justin Bieber collab or something. So Taylor's first single started thinking the first singles from uh, each of her albums, and we think this is going to be the first single from uh, TS Seven, her seventh proper studio album. Uh, where does it compare? Because I was talking to uh, it was our edit meeting last Friday, saying uh, I said me is. It's way better than Look What You Made Me Do, but I don't think it's quite as uh, classic as Shake It Off. But I, I, think it's, I think it's a really good lead single. Should we compare it just uh, opinion-wise between us uh, against each of her previous six lead singles from her albums? Looking back on all of that, it's nice to believe you think Timber I hope you think my favorite song, the one we dance to So Tim McGraw, the one that got things started from Taylor Swift back in 2006. Uh, again, it's always hard to compare something we've known now for about a week, uh, a song we've known now for uh, over a decade. Uh, certainly certainly shows a different uh, era of Taylor Swift where Tim McGraw was that early, simple country pop songwriting, whereas me just has so much more going on with uh, production-wise and obviously uh, Brendan Urie, but... Uh, the simplicity of uh, Tim McGraw, but classic song uh, to get her career started back back when she was a country artist. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the conceit around Tim McGraw maybe it's not the uh, a super unique one, it, but I still like the originality of it. I mean, to have a song named Tim McGraw, and I mean, it's not really about Tim McGraw, but just to, just to have it hinge on that. Uh, when you think Tim McGraw, I hope you think of me. I think that's still just one of the like a great couplet that is. A great foundation for that song. Because she was a smart businesswoman, even as a teen, to know that uh, part of the recognition would be by naming a song after one of the biggest country stars. Yeah. I think this is uh, one of her two best, if not lead singles, if not overall singles. Love Story, I think one of the best songs of the entire 2000s decade. Ooh. Yeah. Big praise. Yeah, I I remember this probably is the the song I think that really like made Taylor Swift like here to stay. Um, I remember when that came out because obviously her debut album had hits, but there was something about Love Story where I just, I, I think I was, well, get ready, I was a senior in high school at the time <laughs> and this song had been like you, i don't know there's something about it where it just kids are playing on their ipods or like singing it in the hallways like it was something that made you that made you you'd heard her name and you know you kind of heard a bit about her but i guess also because you know we were kids and the fact that she could cut through you know hip-hop was hot at the time r&b was hot at the time even pop was hot at the time and the fact that this country song you know everybody's singing their little country twang accents is like, okay, I, I don't know many kids who would ever, you know, sing a country song out in school. So that lets you know there was something special about her that was really going to, you know, keep her going in a way that no other country star could cross over to teens at the time. I can see it now. Do you remember we were 
Fearless uh, album on to Speak Now in 2010. Uh, mine sounds really good just hearing it there. And I feel like in some ways the song hasn't quite lasted the way Love Story has. Doesn't seem to have maybe the, the same legacy. And I think maybe it'd be fair to say that uh, kind of was uh, borrowing the, the formula a little bit of, of Love Story. Maybe didn't have that same originality that Love Story did. Yeah, the thing about mine, and I guess it kind of the whole Speak Now album feels like it kind of gets lost in in the evolution of Taylor Swift. Um, for a personal project, it's actually really impressive because this was the, the album, um, if everyone remembers, that she wrote all the songs by herself. And I'm guess I guess Taylor haters could take that and run with it, but um, she wrote every song on Speak Now by herself. And probably Mean is the one that stands out the most in terms of looking back at which one aged the best. But yeah, I mean, I think mine probably, you're right, had that 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 country pop feel that I think people are kind of expected at this point with, well, I mean, between Love Story, You Belong With Me, maybe, I mean, Today Was a Fairy Tale, maybe it just felt like not a new chapter for Taylor or a new thing. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right. It kind of does get lost in the shuffle. I've always liked that song, but I feel like just, just, I don't know, that whole 2010s, and I don't know if it was just sort of backlash from the Grammy wins in a sort of way, or, you know, she's, she's okay, she's up there, and she's, you know, she just continues on, but, but yeah, yeah, it's a, 2010 for me is a real kind of gap year for her. to the red era with we're never ever getting back together probably this is probably where things start to get a little polarizing uh are you a fan of uh the old taylor or what was becoming at that point uh the poppy taylor with max martin co-writing uh yeah me is is obviously uh more I'd say it's closer to we are never getting back together than it is uh the singles uh before then we were just playing uh i think i think already uh, i'm i'm pretty comfortable saying i like me better then we are never getting back together. It feels I agree. Yeah, it feels more. It just feels more natural. It doesn't feel maybe it's forced in some ways. I mean, I, this is so dumb. Like I don't know if I ever just. I mean, the title was so long, and then kind of the way the chorus is. I mean, I get, I appreciate it's sort of sing along, bouncy, but I don't. I don't know. Um, this this was a song that I never I never fully grasped or got. Um. I mean, it's so funny. I'm trying to like sort of run back in my head. What exactly? It's hard to pin it down exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I think it probably was one of the songs that set up that set up later better songs. Like I like I can see the connection between this and like Blank Space, for example. Yeah. I think Blank Space is one of her, if not her best song, one of her very, very best songs. But I Knew You Were Trouble was the follow up at, at pop. And that's that's really her first all out pop song and i think that's i think it's actually just a, a much better song well i think that's the most to me honestly that's probably the most important song she's ever put out and i mean that in terms of if that song had flopped i don't know if 1989 would have you know been allowed to happen and you can from their reputation maybe even where we are today but yeah that was i mean that was a total risk song for her to just completely abandon the safety of country um and maybe she maybe she kind of went back to it a little bit with 22 was the next single um, and then there's plenty of other tracks on there, like Red and Begin Again is a very country song. But 
I guess obviously you couldn't come out with I Knew You Were Trouble. So maybe We Are Never Ever was the best way to keep a little bit of the old Taylor, but at least set people up for the expectation that there there is there is more pop here than than you might expect. Shake It Off to me is, I don't know if I could pick, maybe, maybe I put Love Story ahead of it, but Love Story and Shake It Off, I think those are her two best lead singles, and if she was going to go all out pop, uh, probably couldn't have picked a, a better choice. Not not the most uh, uh, song tied to current production trends, it has kind of a 50s, 60s uh, girl group uh, backbeat to it. Uh, just a great song, great melody, perfect uh, way to introduce that she has officially uh, gone pop ever since. You know, it's funny, when I first heard this song, I, I guess I was hoping for something more, I don't know, like, I don't know if, if complex is the right word, but I guess even the songwriting, it's really like, kind of what you're saying, with the girl group thing, it's kind of pared down into, you know, very very short, you know, one word kind of phrases, you know, players gonna play, 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 haters yeah. gonna hate, 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 and I think that was something that we've probably never seen from Taylor before, like, I always, you know, I guess you know, her turns of phrases and her sort of, I mean, how many one-liners do Taylor's have that people just love for Instagram captions or, you know, to kind of pull out for their journals. And that was interesting to me because when that got kind of lost in the, I, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of, I missed that. Like maybe this is just a little too like out of a, you know, out of a hit making record session. Um, but because it's different, it doesn't sound like other stuff that's out uh, in in recent years. I think there's just there's just something very natural. Just uh, again, unlike we're never ever getting back together. It just it just has an ease about it, and that chorus just cascades in, and it's just it's just a it's just a perfect pop song. Yeah, I, I yeah I think it's it definitely has grown on me. I mean, even at the time, it grew on me very quickly. So I and I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's a smart. I mean, it's a smart choice in terms of the marketing for sure. That you know, if if you're gonna go all out pop. I mean, even just on 1989, it still really stands out as the most poppy record. Everything else maybe has a little more, mm, I don't know, um, I don't say moodiness to it, but I guess the fact that Blank Space and Style come right before it, there's a little more kind of what you'd expect from Taylor. And then all of a sudden, like when this, you know, like it's like when you see in the video when the pom-poms start ruffling and it just, the horns come in and you're like, okay, whoa, this is this is a transition moment. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously, it's age probably is her most timeless single. I don't know people who, you know, I mean, from kids to adults who just, you know, in a in a fun way, it's like Taylor doesn't take herself so seriously this time. It's just Taylor just out there having fun. And, you know, everybody likes that. And Blank Space, same thing. That was uh, about as uh, poking fun at yourself lyrically uh, as you can do in a song. Yeah, I mean, I think everything about that song, I love I love the lyrics, the the, the melody, the video. I mean, it's all... If you have to make fun of yourself like that, we would all be better off if we could turn out something as as good as Blank Space. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me do. And then uh, the left turn to uh, the new Taylor, Dark Taylor, which 
Well, maybe it only lasted for the Reputation album. Look What You Made Me Do, a three-week number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It just It's just so different. It's not based on such an intricate chorus like Love Story is, and it just isn't as fun as, as Shake It Off. So I think it probably comes down to uh, personal choice. Do you like uh, a song that is is a little darker, more of a groove that, than a pure hook? Uh, I've, I've said before, I'm I'm, a, I'm such a pure pop. Uh, give me give me a great hook type listener. So uh, I don't put that song as as necessarily a highlight, and that's why I think uh, me is just a better lead single. Well, it's funny. I know a lot of people when Reputation album came out. I think you know at least along the music heads, people felt like Getaway Car should have been the first single. Like I think that think at least it's the best song off the album. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I still, you know, think of what I was saying a few years ago as, which I don't know, maybe that maybe that doesn't show growth at all, but I think Look What You Made Me Do was such a statement record that it almost was forced to be the lead single, because I don't know how you, I mean, if, if the album had just come out, I mean, that's a song everyone would have dissected, that would have been the one that got all the attention, that's the one that would have been the talk of Twitter and everything, so I think just to... I mean, it's kind of like when Thriller came out. I mean, The Girl Is Mine was the first single. I don't think anybody's going to say that's the best song off Thriller, but I think Quincy, maybe Quincy Jones, maybe Michael Jackson himself later, who said, look, if we have a duet with Paul McCartney on this record, we have to get ahead of that. You know, we, I mean, that's the song everyone's going to jump on if they just see it on the album. So we might as well, you know, maybe use that marketing or use just use that that to get that out of the way and let people digest the rest of the album when it comes out. So I think... With Taylor, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, that is by far the most, you know, if you want to read subtext and messages and who she's directing things at, that is the song that you're going to want to sit there and tear apart for hours. So take that away for people for, or give them two months of that ahead of time. When the album comes out, they can at least enjoy the rest of it without just spinning that track just over and over and over. And who is it about? Is it cool that I said all that? Is it chill that you're in my head? The way it worked out, one of the more unassuming songs on the album became the biggest single, really delicate, which maybe didn't get quite uh, a whole lot of buzz when the album first came out. I would have never right. called that for a single. But that really, it wound up fitting in more with current pop trends where it's uh, it's it's lesser tempo. It wound up, because I was always saying, uh, this is why we can't have nice things, which is really up-tempo and huge hook. Should have been a single, but I, I think... Uh, I think it turned out to be the right single for Delicate for what pop radio has become. Less tempo, uh, more more subtle hooks. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. This is why we can't have nice. 
I think this is why we can't have nice things. Too close to look what you made me do in kind of that same sentiment. You know, it's a lot about, you know, somebody who did me wrong or we used to be friends. And so I think I think if she had doubled down on that message, I think people would have been pretty tired of it. And I mean, even even the I don't know backlash, if you want to call it, to the, the lead single was was, you know, not certainly not all in her favor. So I think avoiding that. With uh, with with not doing part two was was smart as well. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, me fits in the current pop landscape. And you could say, well, now she's going back to this pure pop, happy sound. But uh, timing could really be on her side here in 2019, where we've seen uh, Ariana Grande with yes R and B influences, but uh, pretty pretty overall pop. Jonas Brothers, Shallow, uh, something like Ava Max on the cusp of the 100s top ten with Sweet But Psycho. Kind of seems like at least now. Uh, more so than in the last two or three years, uh, this might be the best chance for me to fit in with uh, the way pop is right now. All right. So we'll put Taylor on ice until next week. This week, want to highlight a song that jumps into the top 10 for the first time. Khalid, we saw him get a top 10 already this year with the song Better from his album Free Spirit, which debuted number one on the Billboard 200. This week, another song from the album Talk jumps from number 20 all the way to number eight. And so Khalid is back in the top 10. Uh, the song is produced by Disclosure. Been a been a really solid hit kind of around the board. Radio's picking up. It's been selling well. It's it's maybe sneakily streamed well. While we're talking so much Old Town Road, there are other songs that have to be in the streaming songs chart besides Old Town Road. And Talk has been kind of hovering in that nice top 10, especially on Spotify. So really, you know, Khalid's one of those artists, I think, that quietly always accumulates and does so well over the over the course of time i don't think people realize how many hits khalid has under his belt but uh add another top 10 to the mix with talk so really shaping up to be a good good year for him all right so uh for the second half of the podcast gonna uh change lanes here and live music we have a special guest coming in it's sibling trio the Rua, it's Alana, Rosanna, and Jonathan Brown. Uh, again, climbing on our adult pop songs chart right now with the song Gasoline. Going to hear that. Going to hear a couple other songs coming up from uh, their new album, which hasn't been released yet. Uh, they had an album out a few years ago, which had a couple hits uh, as well on the adult pop songs chart. So they've been making inroads uh, coming over from England. They've been uh, doing radio interviews, getting to know a lot of stations, and just kind of doing a, a slow build, which is uh, – the way you, you build a fan base, kind of uh, the old-fashioned way that's uh, pretty tried and true. Uh, so they're really fun, great musicians, great lyricists, great pop hooks that they write. And again, uh, they've starred in Harry Potter movies. So we're going to ask about all that, about being a sibling band, uh, their music, their new album, and Harry Potter. So it's The Rua coming up, our special guest this week, performing live at the end of the podcast, The Rua on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. When your lips are close to mine, I get carried away When I'm with you, all I find is losing track of time Don't go, don't stop, let's get complicated I'm swept away like a bubble No Rua, welcome to the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Hello. Everybody introduce yourselves so we know whose voice is whose. I'm Alana. I am Rosanna. And I'm Jonathan. Oh, I guess you went first. That's very older sister. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I'm the Alana. I'm, I'm, I'm the, the Alana. Alana. I'm the Alana. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm Alana the eldest. 
but I decided <laughs> not like to. Sounds like something Lord of the Rings. Uh, I am Alana yeah. the Elder. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I said it anyway. Obviously, Jonathan's Jonathan. Yes. I think people get more mixed up with our voices. Anyway, all you did was ask to introduce ourselves. <laughs> We've carried on talking. <laughs> There's the whole interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, where does the name come from? Okay, the, right. Oh, yeah. So, this is the his. long story. Well, I'll shorten it for you because it's incredibly boring. Robot, um, unicorn, attack. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so, our surname's Brown, Irish family, and we thought the Irish word for Brown was Rua, but Google got it wrong. Translate, as in Google Translate got it wrong. Um, and we were like, well, this is bad. Um, (laughs) it's more to do with hair colour like red or brown hair we're like okay right uh, that doesn't work so so we went searching for other other meanings and found a Hebrew word Rua and it had an H at the end and it meant essence of a group we're like okay music has their essence we're a group so we were stubborn and dropped the H took that meaning and then called the first album Essence so we made it work we basically just really liked the word we we got the meaning wrong and stuck it there in front of it yeah. So, so how long did it take you to figure out that it was a very long, long time? Yeah. It's really hard to think of a name, like unless you have a good last name. I remember originally Brown. we were family, um, and we we're like no, um, and then the Browns does not have a good ring to it. Well, here in a little bit, um, the song "Gasoline" right now—that's the single. Jonathan, you sing that. Rosanna, you sing lead vocals on most other songs. Yeah. Is, is anybody worried, uh, like at the label or anything, that if you don't keep the same? You know, everybody doing the same part every time. People may have a problem identifying you or knowing that, oh, that is a Rua song because no, because if anything, the label were more like the label were more like, yeah, no, we like you all singing. Also, because I know sometimes we get compared to, which is amazing, um, Fleetwood Mac, and Fleetwood Mac had two. If anything, I think it shows us being more as a band. Yeah, yeah, and progression. Yeah, we're actually like a unit and. As a family, it's not just, oh, they'll do three-part harmonies. Um, it's I think it's kind of more old school, really. Um, I know Haim, every now and again, um, uh, Alana sings, and um, it's with there's the same name as you. That freaked me out. I'm just thinking how it goes back to the Beatles. Yeah. Four lead singers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, we just want to show that we can, we can uh, Yeah, and our label are really supportive, so yeah. I think, like, as long as they think it's a good song, they're happy to do whatever. Yeah. Spice Girls had different lead singers. Alana's smiling. I yeah. am. <laughs> Spice Girls. Alana with Spice Girls Obsessed. We are going to see them, actually, in London. I was just going to ask, uh, are we going to make it uh, for the... Yeah. So, yeah. we well, are doing the Westlife tour. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have a problem. Should I share my problem with you all? Oh, yes, let's go. Okay, so we, we well, this is very, it's an exciting problem. It's not really a problem. So, <laughs> so we are like opening up. First world problems. I know, exactly. Like. We are opening up for Westlife, and they are an Irish boy band who were absolutely huge in the UK and in Europe. They had 14 number ones. They've had more number ones than you two have. Yeah, they're huge over at home and so they were around the same time as the Spice Girls um, maybe a wee bit later um, and so we are opening up for them which is very exciting really from exciting. for six yeah. weeks um, over May and June and July um, and one of the dates is, is the O2 in London the O2 in London which, which is, is a huge deal yeah. now the problem I have is I've got to find a way of running off the stage to then get to the Spice Girls on the same night, <laughs> the opposite side of London in Wembley Stadium. So, uh, any uh, suggestions? Did anybody have a helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> any suggestions? Uh, I am open to listening. 
I mean, this Couldn't is a very exciting off. problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. I've never found that. If an artist is on like, tour, how do they go see another artist that's yeah. playing the same night? Well, when when I first got the tickets, I said to the label, I was like, I am not doing anything on this date. <laughs> and we got Westlife Spice Girls. <laughs> I am not doing anything. And then it's Westlife. I was like, okay, I will do the Westlife. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will figure out how to get to the Spice Girls. <laughs> Your whole Harry Potter past. Because yep. I'm, I'm a fan, Trevor's a fan, so uh, other than being fans... Ask us any question you want. ...of your music. Yeah, I think it's so cool that we're talking to three people who've been in the Harry Potter movies. First of all, which which ones were you in, and how did it even come about? So, we, uh, as Rosanna mentioned earlier on, we were part of, um, like, musical <coughs> theatre groups, and through that we found some extras agencies, um, and... With the extras agency, they were linked to the Harry Potter and they put us in it. And I was in five of them. Um, Rosanna was in four, three or four. Then I was in the last Jonathan one. We were all in the last one. one together. So we were students in it. So I was in uh, Gryffindor. I was in Slytherin. I was in Hufflepuff. Do you do you take pride being in Gryffindor? You yeah, must, I think so. Like, yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, someone once said uh, two of the finest wizards ever were in Slytherin. I'm very proud to be Slytherin. I'm conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm Hufflepuff. Yes, Hufflepuff. I liked being in Hufflepuff because we were used a lot in the scenes we were in. Did you get to pick? Or it was no. Just, no. Did you get to, got to pick? pick? Like, was everyone would have chosen Gryffindor. I was going to say. There was, the Gryffindor table there was like specifications yeah. for each house and how people had to look. I actually asked our AD who what the specifications were for the houses and she was like, well, Slytherin, normally you are tall, pale and bony. And I was just like, such compliments. Thank you so much. But like Slytherin's, when you look back, you will probably notice that nearly every single Slytherin is very angular featured in their face and normally very tall and pale and bony. Pale. (laughs) And then Gryffindors are like much more... I don't know. What are you going to say here? No, like, homey looking. But I can say I was... I technically went to Hogwarts for school because I was still under 16 when we filmed, so I had to... Legally, I had to be in school for certain hours on set. So I went to Hogwarts. (laughs) I can actually say that. Yeah. No, in the... So we were in quite a lot of the movies, but um, obviously with... There's so many students in them, but in the last movie, you can definitely see me and Rosanna. Tell me. What, the back of your head? Yeah, you can clearly tell it's the back of my head. (laughs) Well, you can see the front of mine and Rosanna's heads. Um, So I, in the last scene, there's a bit where Harry and Ginny kiss and I run down the stairs just after them. Um, Then also um, on the stairs when Harry's being brought in dead. Spoiler alert. And uh, I'm beside... You were supposed to say spoiler alert before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor poor timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm I'm beside McGonagall there. And also I'm dead when... um, You can't see your face in that. You can. I'm dead on the floor (laughs) when... um, She did not... Voldemort and... Stay alive in the Battle of Hogwarts. No, and then I came back to life again. Um, It's magic. Uh, when the <laughs> wand is going between Harry and or Voldemort and Harry, whatever, yeah, yeah, that way. So I'm dead on the floor, and that was a really cool scene because, well, it was absolutely freezing cold, and we had like wetsuits underneath our um, school, uniform. school uniforms and hand warmers in our shoes, and like it was awful. But um, they're like, okay, now lie on the floor. So like, thanks. And um, there was this mat. So you have Voldemort and Harry. 
and there was this man in a complete green lycra suit and he ran he picked the the wand from Voldemort and he ran with the you can't see what I'm doing but uh, he ran with the wand and uh, then transferred it to Harry's hand and then just ran off set so that's the wonders of green screen and green people (laughs) yeah so that's where you can see me (laughs) <laughs> but you can see Rosanna um, on the stairs as well. Oh, and um, in um, and in, um, I was an honorary Gryffindor for one day. Um, in the where oh, yeah. where Ron is in plays Quidditch, and behind Luna with her big lion head. Did you hang out with any of the main cast much or at all? Um, Daniel Radcliffe did hang out a bit. He was really lovely. Um, and Mr. Uh, Weasley helped me back. Julie, I forget his name. Julie Walters as well. She was really lovely too. So I mean, they weren't around loads but um yeah they were really nice everyone was really lovely if you went up and spoke to them yeah everyone was really really nice even Voldemort was he nice no Ray Fiennes was scary yeah (laughs) (laughs) also because most of the time that we saw him he was so much in character and he has lots of CGI dots on his face but that final scene where you know there's all the Death Eaters against Hogwarts like he was scary doing that and he didn't come out of character between takes he's um, an actor he's an actor method actor um but yeah it was um i'm sure he is lovely i'd like to meet him properly <laughs> <laughs> won't change my mind i'll be all right got nothing to say because i had it all yesterday so uh, one thing people talk about with debut albums is you, know, you have your whole life to make your debut album. What's what's different about making a sophomore album? And what lessons did you learn from making the first album, whether about the songs themselves or the creation, that helps album number two along the way? We're older. We've gone through more in life. We have listened to more music. We've written. The first album we really wrote on our own, We songs that we had written when we were a lot younger as well. I do think that this album is more us. The first one we loved to pieces, but it was it was almost like we were n- novices at writing, and it was just like, oh, do I write a song about how I feel, or do I write a song? Like, do I want but to like delve love into those that? Songs because it's like the songs that we wrote in the first album, the meanings they've had, it's developed mm-hmm. over time, and like it doesn't. A few of the songs, I'm like, okay, it doesn't mean that to me anymore. It means this, like what I'm feeling currently now. So I like that about songwriting because it can. You can write it in one mood, one emotion, but then X amount of years down the line, it takes on a new meaning for you, and you hear it in a different way. I think we've written more like emotionally that. as well in this one, like specifics about things as well. Like coming but with an actual. We love both idea. albums. Buy them both. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, so when you say you say more emotionally this time around, when I think back to writing songs on that, it was me being like, I really want to write a song. Write a song. Yeah. Whereas now, it would be like something happens and I write it down and um, or I watch something and I'm like I need to write a song about this or my friend says something to me and I'm like wow this has given me these feelings I need to write this Um, someone's broken my heart I'm like well now I know I need to write a song even though I don't want to and then it actually happens and then I feel good after it the Rue, are you going to perform uh, three songs from from the new album? Yeah, we are so uh, All I've Wanted which was our first single um, then I Will Learn, which is a ballad, um, and Gasoline, which is our current single, and yeah. has Jonathan singing on it. 
and rising on our charts. Is it a big deal, by the way, to see that you guys are on Billboard? Yes, one, it is. Uh, one answer, yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Of course it is. Every week we're like, we're like where woo. are we going to be? Where are we going to be? Um, yeah, it is really, really It's exciting. Cool. It's really cool. Uh, the Beatles, other acts, they've, they've done this. They're kind of a benchmark, okay? Now we're on the Billboard. Well, I think it's exciting. For, well, it's Billboard. It's, it's, it's America. It's Billboard. Like, it, it, is America is such a big market, such a big country, and you're like, oh, we're there. We like, look at who we're around, and that's it. You look yeah. at the other artists you're around, and like, how? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, how? it just us. How? And then we're just like, no, like we really enjoy our jobs, and we're very, very, very grateful that we get to do this, and we get to entertain and and connect with people, um, and hopefully, you know make them laugh or make them cry and make them enjoy themselves. And it's just the most amazing job in the world. And the fact that we can see, you know, us go up a chart with people that we admire is just incredible. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible feeling. And you get to do it together? We did do it together. That's the one down there, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is All I Ever Wanted. When your lips are close to mine, they get carried away. Eh, eh, eh. When I'm with you, all I find is losing track of time. I, I, I. Don't go, don't stop. Let's get complicated. I'm swept away like a bubble. No SOS.
Start closing all the doors in you. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.